This presentation has been previously broadcast. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Well, we've made it to the end of another week. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life, our program here on uh, Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app that deals with spiritual direction, trying to understand how God might be speaking to us, helping each other as we share uh, our experiences so that we can hopefully grow in holiness, grow closer to God, grow in our spiritual life. Uh, Are you reading anything good right now? Anything that is just a great book Or how about the best book you've read most recently, one that you couldn't put down? Maybe it's difficult for you to find time to read. You have some books that you've, you know, that you've got there sitting on a table or on a bookshelf in your home, but you never seem to be able to find the time to be able to read them. Life is just too busy. It's too hectic. You have the best of intentions, but then the days and the weeks they go by and you still haven't been able to make any progress in reading. I know in talking with different friends of mine in the past, when we've talked about, you know, maybe a book or, or, you know, we talk about just that topic of reading, eventually it'll come up in conversation how many books we read on average through the year. Most years, I usually read somewhere between 30 to 40 books in that year. And when a friend is talking with me, they're usually shocked by that. And they ask, how in the world do you find the time? You're working, you have a full-time job, you've got a a busy family, you know, kids of different ages. How are you able to read that much through the year? And the main answer I give is actually quite simple, but it does take some effort. But the real answer is just watch less television. And I say this as someone who watches plenty of movies, plenty of television, and I love them. I, I love movies and television. It's easy for me to become a TV junkie. But it really is possible to lower your TV consumption. And here are a couple of things that have worked for me, a couple of suggestions that might be able to help you. Growing up, I lived in three different towns in in my early years before I graduated high school. And so I experienced three different houses that were our home at one time or another. One was a very small house. And as is common in so many homes in America, the television was there in the living room. But the other two homes that we lived in, they had enough space that my parents were very deliberate about keeping the television out of the living room. And this served a couple of purposes. One, it, it promoted conversation when two or more people were there in the, the living room together. And then the seating, it was all arranged so it went around the room. You looked at each other. You know, the seating wasn't all pointed towards a wall or a corner or wherever the television was. You looked at each other. You didn't look, uh, you know, at an object. But then secondly, if you were alone in that room, you didn't have the option of watching TV. So for me, I had to either do something creative, imaginative, or read a book. And my wife and I, we've continued this in our own home. We don't have a television set in our living room. 
we don't have really any place that we watch television on the main level of our house. We have a TV that's set up in our basement where we can, as a family, watch things together. But that means we have to be more deliberate about going to a secondary area of the house to watch something. And so when it's not as easy to turn on the television, well, we all just read more books. Now, another thought on how to read more. When I was in college, I had a friend who wanted to play the guitar better. And he was telling me that he had read that a simple way to accomplish this was to not keep it in its case. Rather, you set up a stand so that the guitar is always sitting out there, always easy to grab, within reach. You can play it. You would see it, and you would pick it up. And you wouldn't forget about it like you so easily could when it's stored away in its case. And this really does work. I ended up doing this after my friend told me this. I tried it. I found, yeah, I really was picking up the guitar more regularly, more than I had previously when it was shut away in its case after I'd play it. Similarly, if you have a bookshelf that's in a central location where you regularly see it, if those books aren't hidden away somewhere you're going to be more likely to pick one up and read it, even if it's only a few pages here or there. Well, the reason I'm talking about this is because today here on The Inner Life, since we're at the beginning of June and since so many people kind of plan, well, I've got some summer months here and I'm going to maybe be on vacation or I'm going to be enjoying uh, some just relaxed time out in the sunshine, people start talking about what they want for summer reading. And we wanted to take this hour to talk about some great options for spiritual summer reading. And we also want to hear from you as well. Um, so if you have a book that you would really recommend, it's helped you spiritually, had a big impact on your relationship with Christ or maybe your understanding of the faith, we'd love to hear that and just kind of make this an open hour where we're sharing some of those books that we recommend to each other. And our phone number here is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Or you can email your uh, spiritual reading recommendation to us, life at relevantradio.com. And joining us for the hour here is our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, is back with us. And Father Michael is a Dominican priest. He's the pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Father Michael, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to talk to you today. Delightful to be with you, Josh, and all of our, our listeners. I'm loving this topic because, because as Dominicans, we, we love to study, and certainly we read a lot. And I, I even if I wasn't a Dominican, I think I would, like yourself, I'd love to read. I, when you said you read 40 books a year, I, I, how do you do that, or 50 books a year? I thought uh, maybe you have like audiobooks at you know, tw- double speed or speed and a half. That's how you... Well, no, that, that is a good point, though. <laughs> I, I think that's really helpful. I do listen to audiobooks yeah. at different times when I'm doing things around yeah. the house. And so, Absolutely. yeah, that is another way to be able to go through, you know, uh, especially for something that you don't have to... If there's something theological or something philosophical... Yeah. I want yeah. a hard copy. I want to be able to go back and reread. But if it's, you know, an autobiography Absolutely. or if it's something that I don't yeah. have to pay as close attention to, audiobooks are a great yeah. option. And, you know, ebooks are another great option, too. And you can also get those for free from your library. So, yeah, lots of good options out there that allow you to be able to consume some of this material. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm you know, most times when I come on, you know, you know we're kind of guiding kind of the discussion. I, I mean, I, I love to read, but I, I'm interested to hear from other people. Like, what do you, I always like good recommendations. If you ask my community, too, I'm always saying, hey, what are you reading? Tell, give me a book, good book. It's, 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 there's a delightful, even a conversation about reading is delightful to kind of, you know, <laughs> to kind of get, 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 uh, get a little bit. Obviously, I've got too many books 
I, <laughs> to read even now, but I just I love good recommendations. So I'm, I'm excited. Oh, yeah, that. absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, so let's talk about, you know, reading in general is great. I mean, you know, uh, teachers sure. will tell, especially young parents, read with your kids. You know, it helps them to understand understand concepts better. It helps their uh, de- de- the ve- development of their brain. It helps their vocabulary. It helps spelling. There's all these benefits to it. But let's talk about spiritual reading. And I was initially going to ask, you know, why is it important? But I, I think it might yeah. be better to not use the word important, but rather say, yeah. why is it necessary? Why is it necessary yeah. for our growth as Christians, as Catholics? Absolutely. And it's, I'm glad you, you made that little distinction because it really is necessary in the same way that water is necessary for plants or, you know, or, or, or kind of thriving because we are made in God's image and likeness. And that refers to or at least includes uh, the ability to know <laughs> and to wonder and to engage in the world. And reading it combines both certainly just the tactile uh, kind of exercise of, of, of using your eyes and vision or hearing or listening, but it, it forms our mind. It sparks our imagination. It uh, engages us uh, fully in that intellectual capacity that God has given us and is really a spark of his divine life within us. There's no other, I mean, human beings are are, are unique in terms of in the animal kingdom, if you will, of being able to literally read, that is to, to ponder, to question, to have uh, the intellect that can form our minds and our hearts. And so if we're not, if we're allowing ourselves, and there's something too about reading, I, I know, and I just say this certainly for spiritual reading, but even when it comes to uh, kind of more uh, kind of pleasure reading, if I know there's going to be a movie that I'm going to see, like I'll give the example of I, a few years ago, um, they came out with those Lord of the Ring movies. I don't know if you remember that, but but I had I had yet to read the book. I didn't, didn't I, and honestly, I didn't know if I even wanted to read the books, but when I heard the movie was coming out, I thought, oh, I'm probably going to, you know, get caught up into the, you know, the, the, the kind of seeing the movie at some point. But I don't want my uh, imagination to have been formed by the movies. I want to have read the books first because in reading, we form our imagination in a way which is far more creative than if it's just presented to us visually. And so if you translate that as spiritually, when we read and we encounter the great ideas of our faith, hope, and love that some of the spiritual giants have given us, and that God himself has revealed to us in his word, it forms our minds, our imagination, and it makes us truly more like God and helps us to fall ever more deeper in love with the God who has made us for love. You know, one of the other things that uh, might be good to talk about here, too, are some basic principles when we approach reading uh, from a spiritual standpoint. You know, uh, a lot of times if I'm reading a novel or if I'm reading a biography or something, you know, I, I have no problem kind of racing through that because the story is compelling and I'm excited to see what happens next. Most of the time when it comes to spiritual reading, I really take my time, and it might yeah. take me a couple months to actually make it through a book because I might go back and reread a sentence or a paragraph because I want to absorb what the author is saying, or I want to just, I want to stop after I've had an insight and not forget that. I want to give myself time to actually process and reflect on it. And so spiritual reading actually can be something that, that 
moves at a slower pace than uh, recreational reading, but that's absolutely okay and might even be preferable. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I got this good advice uh, one time from a, from a fellow a Dominican priest who especially talking to uh, a priest when we were in pastoral ministry. He himself now is a, a theologian, uh, but he started out doing campus ministry in, in, um, on universities in France. And he said, never, ever give up on reading the classics, you know, St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, these, these kind of big works. But don't give up on reading simply because they're difficult. They're perhaps uh, you can't read them very quickly, and they're you know they're five, six hundred, you know, three volume sets. Just take a page a day, right? And and I think I think this this goes certainly uh, to any kind of reading we do. We need to have a kind of a varied uh, approach where we're reading lots of different kinds of things. But we should never be daunted by something which is either seems too long or too big, or even the Bible itself, right? That. It, there's a real value, and even if it's just taking a page a day, it's like you're talking about the guitar that is not in its case but out on the stand, right? Just having your Bible on your bedstand or on your desk or somewhere and just literally read the next page. And if you read a page a day, you know, and have a certain discipline around it and have it formed in that, you'll be engaged in the text in, in, a, in a real vibrant way. Uh, you know, something else there, uh, some books are just simply not going to resonate with us, and I've had that. And I've even had it with books where everybody and their sister seems to think, this is the most wonderful book, <laughs> yeah. and I pick it up, and I try and read it, and I'm trying to just, you know, kind of sludge through it, and for whatever reason, it just doesn't, it doesn't connect with me. And when I was younger, I probably would have said, what is wrong with me? What am I missing? Yeah. But I've had, I, I, at this age, enough experience that I've even gone back and picked up a book two or three times. And finally, maybe that third or fourth time I pick it up, all of a sudden, it really does click. And I say, I don't know why it didn't before, but apparently this is now when this is really speaking to me. So it might be that it doesn't speak to you at all for your entire life, or you're just not at the right place to appreciate what's being said. Again, not a problem. Just move on to maybe another book. Absolutely, and we don't have to feel like we, especially when it comes to even for myself. Sometimes I, I know I've had that, uh, I've had that experience with uh, even different books on the saints, where I just really you just can't can't get into it, and it seems a little uh, uh, saccharine. But then you come you you come back to them at a different time, and it's just what you needed to hear, or vice versa. You, you know, you read a book at a certain point in your life when exactly when you needed it, and it's like there's a book that changed my life. And then you, you kind of come back to it and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, not that I'm beyond it, but it's, it's not, it, I needed it in that moment and now I, 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 I don't need it as much, right? So it doesn't quite hit the same way it, it, it hit when you first read it. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with either not quite being ready for a book or, on the other hand, a book that not every book is, is necessarily a, a time classic uh, for forever. Again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here today on The Inner Life about some ideas for spiritual reading for the summer. You know, we're here at uh, the first part of June. I know it's not officially summer yet. That's coming up here in about 10 or 11 days. But, uh, you know, just kind of getting ourselves geared up, saying, okay, maybe we'll have some extra time to read this summer. Well, how can we not only have that recreational reading, what are some great spiritual reading resources? And we'd love to hear your suggestions as well. And you can call in with maybe a book that has made a big impact in your life. 
that has helped you to grow spiritually, uh, helped you in your relationship with Christ, or help you in understanding the faith better. Our number to call in and join us, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, or email your recommendations at innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, before we jump into some of the different books that we have read, uh, you and I both, and you know recommendations we might make and start taking some calls and, and emails, what is when we sit down to read especially spiritual reading is there a prayer that you might recommend that you know something that invites the holy spirit to speak to us through what the words that we are going to read allows us to be more open to spiritual growth and what god is trying to say to us in those moments of reading sure absolutely i'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned that there's the prayer to, uh, of saint thomas aquinas before study uh, which is a beautiful prayer. It's 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 not a. It is a bit of a lengthy prayer, but I've put it out by my desk. But I like to pray that before. Um, I especially I study St. Thomas. Um, also, the prayer to the Holy Spirit. We just celebrated Pentecost. Uh, uh, you know, not too long yep. ago, and that prayer where we just say, God, that, as I say, that's a prayer that God loves to answer. God God is so eager to answer when we say, Lord, come on down, <laughs> come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle us the fire of your love. Send forth that Spirit, and we will be created, and now sure near the face of the earth. So it's renewing our minds, our hearts, and if we personalize it in that moment, that's a wonderful prayer. There, there's also the, the Dominican prayer. We certainly say, <laughs> our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. It's just a little call and response that we will often do, and so I do that, you know, when I'm getting into car any little when i go from one action to the next if i'm you know getting in the car to drive somewhere or i'm now i'm going to a, a different kind of part of my day you know before i came on the radio today or when i go to the next meeting i'll just say you know our hope is in the name of the lord who made heaven and earth so it just reminds us where our help comes from and whose name <laughs> is is that which um you know is created the whole world in the universe yeah so there's yeah. some recommendations Excellent. Thank you so much for that, Father. And uh, so let's just jump into it. Um, you know, you mentioned Scripture, of course, you know, that uh, yeah. you have the Bible out there. And so I'm just going to give that as a complete understood for the hour. We we know that, yeah, reading the Bible should be part of daily spiritual reading, not just for the summer. This should be an ongoing activity. So with that understanding, uh, let's yeah. jump into some different recommendations. Uh, what's, what's your first book that you would recommend that people might consider reading this summer? Oh, wow. Yeah. No, and just to kind of even tag onto the Bible there. Yeah, it's interesting you said it's understood. I know, and I, I can't remember where I read this, uh, but the, um, if the Bible was eligible, it would be the number one bestseller on the whatever the, the New York bestseller, whatever, whatever does that, you know, bestseller, because right, it literally right. is every month the bestselling book in the world. And they, they finally just said, Oh, we don't want to have the Bible be number one every week. So they literally, it's not eligible, <laughs> which I find fascinating. It literally is the best-selling book every week of every year, period. So anyway, I just, but I just to underline that point that's absolutely yep. understood, but it, we certainly should be doing that. Um, so that, so other spiritual reading, um, I think there's just, there, there's kind of a, a set of classics that I think every Catholic should, you know, at least be familiar with. And I'll just, I'll, I'll start with the kind of our, the, uh, the rule of St. Augustine uh, that we take is the Confessions of St. Augustine. Um, yeah. That is a book that I know really was uh, formative when I first read it. And it, it's just, it's a story. It's St. Augustine as, as only he can do uh, kind of uh, the kind of, if you will, father of spiritual writing, but also of, uh, you might even say, uh, psych, you know, 
psychology. He, he examines himself in reflection, and it's it really it's it's been imitated, but but ne- but never ne- never fully uh, done the same way. And so that, that, that's a, a classic. Uh, another uh, kind of before you move on from that yeah, one, really quick though. Um, oh yeah, one please. of the things that I found in reading this was one of those books I started to read, and then. I just kind of, you know, okay, I made it through the first few chapters that he had and then yeah. never kind of got back into it until years later. And I think one of the big reasons is because I was reading one translation. I switched years later to a different translation. And translations can make a huge difference when it comes to something that is written in a different language. Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I, I, I agree with you. I When I first read it... Um, I had just I just went to the, the the library and got just whatever was on the shelf, and it was not a great translation. And then I said, and I it, it was a it was a book that I wanted to read, and so I I came back so that I, I looked around a little bit and actually got a a wonderful translation that kind of made it with with um, not only and I'll, I'll recommend this too. Um, when you get a book, you want to find a book that not only has, you know, clear translation, you know, if you're not reading it in the original, if you're not reading it in Latin, but also if you can find uh, an edited version or a, a, with with notes, notations, and footnotes, because oftentimes, especially when you're reading the classics, there are things and aspects that are um, uh, kind of a, that he's speaking to his the audience he's speaking to in that moment, and it, just clearing that up or at least cross-referencing it to a particular thing he's referring to or the author is referring to can be so helpful to bring you into the the text. I know for myself, the the, the greatest example for me is when I started reading um, Dante. We started with the Inferno, and it was like he's so particular in a lot of the references he makes. I was like, wait, who who said this was a great book? Yeah, (laughs) right. I know. I I remember going through that, too. Yeah. yeah, no, I was just going to say, I remember going through that yeah. one, too, and it was written in yeah. the poetic stanzas, and yeah. it yeah. made it so difficult because I just, I needed to be able to read it sentence after sentence since I didn't have the original uh, meter that would have been there in the in the the uh, source language. So there's yeah, things like absolutely. that that really can make it kind yeah. of difficult as you're trying to go through. Yeah. So yeah, looking for that right format or that right, uh, um, the uh, translation really makes a big difference. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why I, so I. In fact, I'd say some of the books that I've had the most kind of personal connection with do uh, resonate because they have like, like you know, I'm thinking once again back to the Dante. Like a, it has like charts and footnotes and extensive kind of reading around it that really draws you into the into into the whole uh, moment. So that when you start reading it, and the same thing with Shakespeare. If you if you just start reading Shakespeare and are not are not well versed in kind of this reading that kind of um, language, it's English, but reading it in that way, it's, it can be kind of daunting. So, yeah, getting yourself a good edition that is a clear translation that also has notes is can be so vital yeah. to the whole Well, experience. Father, I know you've yeah. got other classics, and we want to get to those, but want to yeah. uh, go to our first break we need to take here. So uh, coming yeah. back, we'll continue with Father Michael Hurley. He's our spiritual director as we're talking about what are some good recommendations for summer reading, spiritual reading this summer. And we also want to hear from you. What are some of those books that have really made a difference in your faith life and helped you uh, maybe to understand and 
aspect of the faith to, to grow closer to Christ, to grow in holiness. Um, what's the book that you would recommend for spiritual reading? Our phone number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife@relevantradio.com, and we'll continue our conversation and take your phone calls and your emails coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest, pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco. Today talking about spiritual reading, especially looking ahead to these summer months. What are some great recommendations that uh, you might have that have helped you in your faith life, have helped you to grow closer to Christ? And we're taking your calls at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, um, had Helen, who emailed and recommended a book, Mysterion, this is by Father Harrison Eyre, and I've actually, uh, I've seen a number of people talking about this online, so I know that's a very recent book that's been published, but uh, she said, great book to help renew your faith as we participate in the life of Christ through the sacraments, and so uh, that's one recommendation. Also had a question from a listener asking about the Baltimore Catechism. Um, specifically number three, would it be a good book for an 11-year-old? She just received her first communion. Uh, any thoughts on the Baltimore Catechism for young readers? Or maybe if there's another book you might recommend that's a great uh, resource for somebody who's kind of in that adolescent range. Absolutely. I could not recommend the Baltimore Catechism more heartily because at that age, here's a little clue to, to anyone who has kids or is young at heart, um, <laughs> we we have the elasticity of mind when we're young. So when you're young, memorize, memorize, memorize. And that's the Baltimore Catechism. I, I, mean, I, I myself did it, and you memorize all the kind of – it's because it has that kind of, you know, format of, you know, question and answer. Why did God make us? God made us to know, love, and serve God, and join the next, you know. Who is God? And so it follows that kind of question and answer motif, which isn't necessarily the fulsome of answer, but especially for young people – if you read that and, in fact, just go day by day and memorize, if you will, the next one, that goes right into your mind, into your heart. And when you get older, I, can, I, I, know, that, I know the generation of Baltimore Catechism. If I go out on the pulpit and say, why did God make us to a certain generation from the Baltimore Catechism, I will get the whole congregation <laughs> to respond in unison. And there is something so beautiful when we are connected with that same language as, as a faith. So I, if you, if, especially if a great gift for young people, and I couldn't recommend, especially for parents, uh, to read the Baltimore Catechism and actually to, to have their children kind of memorize it, the Ten Commandments. I, I can't tell you how many people don't know simply the Ten Commandments. It's a question I often, I, all of our religious ed, I make sure they know their Ten Commandments at that age because you know, these are the foundations of, of society, of, of the uh, Christian culture, uh, let alone our faith. So yeah, hardly recommended. 
Good. Well, and one of the things that actually I know with our kids, um, it helped them. My wife, just in one of our bathrooms at our house, she posted up on the wall opposite the toilet the uh, the Ten Commandments there, going back to your, you know, if you're going to memorize something. Oh, nice. And so the, so the yeah. kids, they'd just be sitting there looking at the Ten Commandments every time they went into the bathroom. <laughs> and that's that's how they started memorizing them, without my nice. wife having to try and drill them or, or anything. So, uh, yeah, sometimes you just look for an opportunity. So, nice. Except Father, put on let's... The, put let's on the uh, uh-huh. Let's talk. You were you were mentioning uh, the uh, Saint Augustine Confessions by Saint Augustine. You had some other kind of classics that you were going to also recommend for uh, spiritual reading. Yeah, and, and and before I get into, it, I just it occurs to me that I should maybe mention. You know, you kind of like when you're talking about food, they talk about different food groups, right? So you you want to have greens and proteins and you know uh, carbohydrates and whatever you know a whole spectrum of things is good you know you, 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 and so i think the same in reading there's different if you will food groups to to reading that at least for myself i know i want to be reading something in that kind of genre at, at all times now i know some people it might be more helpful if you just you take one book and you read it and you just read it all the way through but i find it helpful to actually be reading multiple things but different kinds of things so i think you need to be reading something that is a little more theological something around our faith and theology that's one you need to be reading something around spirituality that is growth and virtue in the interior life you need to be reading something uh, that is kind of inspirational from the lives of the saints right so you've got you've got the kind of the heroes that uh, we know have lived that faith or those who are blessed, right? The heroes that have, have uh, inspired us so that we can, in a sense, learn from their actual lived uh, experience. Uh, and then we, you need to, re- I think, something from, from, from literature, because good literature awakens our imagination. And of course, at the heart of it all is scripture, uh, as we said, taken for granted. So they, they, those are the five uh, <laughs> reading food groups, if you will. Scripture, theology, in, lives of the saints, spirituality, and literature. So those are kind of what I would put as an essential, you know, kind of the old pyramid of food groups. I don't know if that's still in, in vogue or even even nutritionists would buy that. But I don't know. I'm old reading, enough to absolutely. remember it, so I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's what I would put. I would put the in the terms of the pyramid. You know, you've got scripture, you've got theology, you've got spirituality, lives of the saints, and then literature is kind of like a a well balanced reading uh, kind of strategy. That's great. And so, um, yeah, what would be that next classic that you would recommend then, Father? Yes. Yeah, so, so let me give it uh, from a different category. In terms of lives of the saints, that might not be um, uh, apparent to folks, but once again, the classic is uh, The Life of Saint Anthony the Great, Anthony of the Desert. And, and I recommend it because it's written by another saint. It's the first saint writing about a saint. And Athanasius, of course, is a great saint in his own right, but he encounters uh, Anthony and he writes uh, his life. And it's just a powerful story of when the church is emerging from the the age of persecution into the age of what becomes, you know, the the Desert Father's religious life and the the kind of interior living Christ life, even if it doesn't mean literally giving our lives uh, physically. Uh, for him, so Anthony of the Desert by Saint Athanasius is a is another classic that every Catholic should should read. Excellent, excellent. Uh, also, got an email here. This is from uh, Brenda, and she has a couple of different books that she's recommending. One is by Father Timothy Gallagher. It's called Discernment of Spirits, and actually, he's been here on the Inner Life before. And that is, uh, you know, he he just is excellent at uh, guiding through how to understand 
spiritual oppression, spiritual possession, I mean, all these different things, and, and understanding, uh, you know, good versus evil. Another one that she recommends is a book called He Leadeth Me. This is by well, Falter, Father Walter Chiswick. Have you read that one, Father? Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. I read both, both, both books you've mentioned I've read, but yeah, very good. Well, the Father Walter Chiswick, I've not read He Leadeth Me, but I had so yep. many priests on this show, The Inner Life here, recommend the other book that he wrote, With God in Russia. So I figured, okay, I really need to read this. And I read it through Lent of this year. It's really this remarkable personal account of Father Walter Chiswick. He's an American Jesuit priest who, uh, he's passed away by now, but he... He ends up training to go into Russia. This is Soviet Russia. He's going to be there covertly as a priest missionary. But after he's been there for a number of months, and this is in, I think, 1940, he ends up being imprisoned as a spy, and not even as an American spy. They think he's a spy for the Vatican. And he spends more than 20 years in Russian prisons, including many years over in Siberia. His family, his superiors, they they all thought he was dead, but he eventually is able to reestablish contact with one of his sisters. And in 1963, he he gets released. He's allowed to come back into the U.S. But I think the most amazing thing for me in the book With God in Russia is Father Chizik, throughout his entire time in these different Soviet prisons, he might have had these different questions or doubts that briefly surface, but he's so good at being able to look back at God's providing and care for him in the past, and this just allows him to say, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm just going to trust God wherever he leads me, whatever he wants. I am supposed to be here as his servant anyway. So whatever that present difficulty is that faces him, he just has such trust in God and where God is going to take him and use him, even if that's he never gets to come back to America, never gets to see his family again, if he dies there in one of those prison camps, I'm yours, God. Use me how you want. So, yeah, it, it was just a remarkable story. Yeah, you read a story like that, you're like, oh, yeah, the the, the daily frustrations. <laughs> I can I can live with those. Because <laughs> he's like, he's, you know, he's in the gulag, and he's he, there's oh, no yeah. sense in which he's going to, you know, ever you know, exercises priesthood again in the, in, the, in the way that he thought he would, that I think most priests would think they would and, and to be a priest. And, you know, it's, it's a, it, it, it definitely, it's, 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 I call the, there's, there's a kind of a set of books that, you know, I, I like to go back to again and again, if not on an annual basis, a semi-annual basis. And that one is, is definitely in there. And I'll, I'll lump it, I'll, I'll connect it with another book that's uh, not quite the, the, the same time period. It's a little bit earlier, but it's, it's a story. It's um a priest by the name of Father Gulman, who is a Franciscan, and the name of the book is The Shadow of His Wings. And it tells the story, true story, and he does it in the first person, of a Fran- well, the Franciscan, but who is um, a German uh, Franciscan at the time of the uh, Second World War and ends up getting drafted into the SS. Uh, and he's not a priest at that time. And he ends up going on this just, you know, more crazy or more, more is kind of like stranger than fiction story of him actually being ordained during the war and all the people in the, in the situation, death defying, you know, places he gets in. And he ends up in a allies prisoner war camp at the end of it. He goes through that whole thing. So and, and, and then it ends up ends up um, 
uh, being connected uh, with the with the atom bomb uh, at the end because he's a Franciscan, and that's that. There's a there's they have a, a with Maximilian Kolbe a, a friary over there. Anyway, it's an incredible story. The Shadow of His hmm. Wings, Father Goldman. Yeah, and it's, well, it's, as it's, you're talking it's, about it's in that same same literature kind of kind of kind of a biography kind of thing. Right. Well, you know, as you were talking about World War II, the atomic bomb and all of that, it actually brought to mind another book that I have read over the last year. And this actually, you you talked about kind of the five uh, food groups for spiritual reading. This falls more into kind of uh, literature or recreational reading. It's an actual novel. It's called A Canticle for Leibowitz. I don't know if you're familiar with that. This is written by a man named Walter Miller. Okay, well, so it's actually, it, it. he wrote three short stories, these mini novellas, and they were all set in this same kind of world dealing with this religious community, this order of Leibowitz. He wrote it in the 1950s, so it's set right after World War II. It's in a post-apocalyptic world, kind of similar like to 1984 by Orwell or A Brave New World yeah. by Aldous Huxley. But this story, um, it really focuses on morality on you know the church versus the state and some you know bigger separation that's happening there in this you know in this story that he tells but i think my favorite part is near the end where he has some of the reflections from this abbot uh that is the leader at this time of this this order of Leibowitz, and it's regarding perseverance in the face of suffering and death and it's just, I, I think it's a fascinating novel. It has a lot of Latin in it. Um, so if you don't know Latin, uh, like I don't know Latin, uh, there's a, I, I pulled up a couple of websites and bookmarked them that had all the translations of all the different Latin phrases that I could just kind of bounce back and forth to through while reading the book. Um, but uh, you mentioned literature. Any kind of literature um, uh, recommendations you have, Father, for spiritual reading? Oh yeah, no, I'm mean, going to mention a number of things. I, I think, well, I just it's it's um, historical, but it's all, but it's kind of the the characters are kind of invented to, for the sake of the story. But anything by Louis de Waal, um, uh, who is uh, you know Belgian, a writer who uh, wrote a series on um, on on all these different many different saints. One on Thomas Aquinas, one on uh, Saint Francis. There he did the spear, which is the the, the lance that, that that pierced Christ's side. But he is just a fantastic writer, and it's it's in the it's 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 historical fiction, but it's really the life of the saints. It's kind of semi biographical in that way. The the best that my favorite is Lay Siege to Heaven, Saint Catherine of Siena. And I when I uh, when I had the opportunity to go to Siena, I had read it before then, and I knew I, I like right now can tell you the the whole story of Catherine of Siena because of this kind of uh, historical novel about her was so clearly laid out. It just, mm, it just kind of brought it to and, life. And, brought it to life. So Louis DeWall, so L-U-I-S-D-W-O-H-L, I believe is how you uh, spelled his name. The other, I'll give you another one that, that, that uh, most folks are not, they've heard of the author, but they're not familiar with uh, this particular writing, is Mark Twain, you know, one of the greatest American writers uh, of, of our time. Uh, he wrote a book on Joan of Arc, and mm-hmm. I was so yep. disappointed when I saw, when I saw the um, uh, who's the guy that does all those biographies. Anyway, they did a two part thing on PBS of Mark Twain, and they mentioned that he he went to Europe. He had a time in Europe, but he actually went to France, and he actually was just going to stay for a couple weeks. He ended up spending two years there. Why? Because he wanted to research the Joan of Arc, like changed, rocked his worldview. He thought, I don't believe in he was he was kind of struggling with 
atheism and believing in God. And he said the greatest, <laughs> the greatest argument for God's existence is Joan of Arc, <laughs> just the presence of this. And he was fascinated by it. it. He said it's the greatest book he ever wrote. This is Mark Twain talking. And uh, on a Dominican, from a Dominican perspective, uh, he, he, he read all the notes of the Inquisition, the secretaries, because the Dominicans were involved in being secretaries. And the moment that Joan appeals to Rome, much like St. Paul when he appeals uh, to, to Rome, that the Caesar hear his case, when Joan appeals to the Holy Father in Rome that the case should go there, um, the Dominicans say, okay, that's, that she, she has that right. They packed up and they, they left. And so the, the continuation of the, the, the Inquisition was actually illegal. The, 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 the trial, her trial was actually not, and when people say the church condoned it, it didn't because she appealed to Rome. And Mark Twain points that out in his book. So anyway, it's, it, is, it, is, it does have fictional characters for the sake of the story, but, but Joan of Arc by Mark Twain is like two thumbs up, five stars. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that's one that I, I, I bought, I think, within the last probably couple of years, because I, I remember coming across that, and I thought, that's odd. That just doesn't fit with the rest of the, you know, most of what we think of with Mark Twain. And yeah, I was so absolutely. curious to read it. So I haven't yet, but it's on it's on my shelf. It's it's one of those to-be-read <laughs> books for me. Uh, again, talking with Father Michael Hurley here today on The Inner Life. He's a Dominican priest, pastor of St. Dominic's Parish in San Francisco, talking about about spiritual reading, some of our favorites. I want to know some of your favorites, too. We've got a bunch of uh, people emailing with different recommendations. We'll go through some more of those as well coming up next here. And you're welcome to call in with your favorite spiritual reading book, something that you might recommend for a summer reading that we can grow closer to Christ, grow in our faith. 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. And our spiritual director joining us this hour, Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest, as we're talking about ideas for spiritual reading for the summer. What are some of those great books that you might recommend? We've got a lot of people emailing their favorites, different things that they would recommend, and you can do that too, innerlife at relevantradio.com, or you can give us a call, 888-914-9149, uh, Father Mary, uh, she wrote to us, she's listening in the Los Angeles area, and she said one book that she's reading right now, and she says, I'm reading it a little chunk at a time. It's 74 Tools for Good Living, Reflections on the Fourth Chapter of Benedict's Rule. And uh, she says, I'm about halfway through it. I'm a revert, and I've been reading Catholic classics for four years now, and this book is really good on how to live the teachings of Christ. I- I'm not familiar with this one. It's by M- uh, Michael Casey or Cassie. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but C A S S E Y. But 74 Tools for Good Living, and uh, that goes back to uh, Saint Benedict's Rule. I mean, that's that's kind of the grandfather of any sort of um, um, religious life. There, going back to Saint Benedict. 
Absolutely. No, he was uh, the one who he kind of formed modern Western monasticism, if you will, after the, the Desert Fathers, especially not living um, the Sinemitic life, but living in, in community. So I'll have to look that one up. I, I'm, I'm happy for the recommendation. 74 tools for good living. One other thing that I thought might be good to make mention of here, too, is we've been talking about actual books, you know, things that you you uh, you could go to your local Catholic bookstore, you could pick it up there, you could look, you know, maybe at a publisher's website for something. But if you look at the Vatican's website, you can find all the major writings of the modern popes. You can go back and read all kinds of encyclicals and apostolic letters and exhortations and more, and all in English going back well over 100 years. If you can read Italian, you can actually read even more going back maybe about 300 years. But one of the ones that I would suggest, especially for our current time, if you've not really read any papal encyclicals, is to read Humane Vitae. That was written by Pope Paul VI in 1968. And with all the news that's regarding the Supreme Court and the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade right now in our culture, this is a very relevant document to read. It's also extremely short. You could probably read it in an hour or two, um, even taking your time. But if you think about when this was written in 1968, that's the same year when Martin Luther King as well as Robert Kennedy were assassinated. That's the year the Beatles released the White Album. It's in the midst of the Vietnam War. That's the year that Nixon was first elected president. And keeping all of that in mind, while you read it, when you look at where our society was and where it is now, that encyclical is so eerily prophetic. Um, but again, that, along with all the different papal encyclicals, it's, it's a great free resource to be able to go to the Vatican's website. No, and I'm glad you mentioned it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw in my, uh, the Ares ordained Pope Benedict uh, put out an encyclical on, um, on hope, space salve, uh, and it's it's kind of my favorite <laughs> from that because we I mean hope is what the world <laughs> desperately needs and it's part of his whole yep. you know faith hope and charity kind of series if you will but um, I found it to be it's the reason I like it is is, is some cr- critics might say he needed a little bit of an editor because he he gets into talking about philosophy and and modern philosophers and and you know the way he just loves to dive into scripture and make contemporary references i love it because i love all the side trail i mean it's just it's fantastic but space salve it's a little bit it's, it's longer than humanity v day for sure but it's it, it the basic point is that the world looks for in all the wrong places for hope <laughs> and it once again centers us in the true sense of hope and it gives, I think, the best articulation of what purgatory is, is right there embedded in it. So there's all these little nuggets of, of, of theology um, that are just kind of within this wonderful thing on hope. Another uh, recommendation that we have from a listener, Cheryl, who wrote in to us, she said, Father Jacques Philippe, and I've yes. not ever read anything by him, but I have heard so yes. many people talk about him. He's one of those, and I, my understanding from the recommendation I've heard is that he has fairly short, concise books, but it, it yes. just really is focused on whatever the particular topic is. Yeah, and not only does he have, he's got, absolutely, I'm reading Interior Freedom right now, which is one of his books, um, but he also has... Uh, books that are kind of like very helpful. It's like nine days to peace or nine days uh, to kind of the joy of prayer and things like that. I don't know if I'm getting those titles exactly right, but basically it's kind of like they're, they're little novenas or uh, retreats that you can do. So it's like a book, a self-guided retreat. And I think even on his website, 
uh, you can do like a virtual retreat that kind of goes along uh, with that. So yeah, Dr. Leap is, is fantastic and, and very, very approachable, very insightful in a simple way for sure. Beautiful. Any other uh, strong recommendations? I, we're getting towards the end of the hour here, Father, yeah. but anything that you just have to make sure that we say, I, if, if you're well, not going to read anything else, this is it? Well, I don't know. I, I got to give a shout out to my guy, Thomas Aquinas. So <laughs> it's, I know it's daunting. It's so just read the Summa over the summer. Is that it? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I just like start. You can start right there. Is there a God, right? <laughs> Whether God exists. <laughs> no, but I, I do think I'll, I'll, I'll say this again in terms of don't ever give up on the, the, the kind of the, 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 my, might say kind of high level theology, even if it's just a little bit of a time, even if it's like learning a new language, it's so rich. Um, and, but, but do get yourself maybe a secondary source. So there's like, there's uh, the summa of the summa by Peter Kreeft or things like that. But it's, it's really, um, I think essential that we not lose the foundations of things. Um, but having said that, I mean, there's so, I mean, I could go on and on, but um, uh, I'll mention C.S. Lewis. Uh, Cause I, I, I uh, yeah, he's, he's great. Letters, I, yeah. He's great and, and things like that. So anyway, he's, he's fantastic as well. So. Yeah, yeah, C.S. Lewis, you know, one that uh, I think anytime I ever talk about books to read, he, his name can't help but come up. And uh, I think my favorite novel of his is called Till We Have Faces. But um, yes. one one that I, I, I think is, if you haven't read it, and again, it's a really short read, it's The Great Divorce. And yep. you might read it just in a day or two very easily. It deals with the afterlife, and it's not meant to be some sort of true representation of what actually happens after death. But C.S. Lewis, as with everything he writes, he just has remarkable insights about humanity. And in this book part in particular, our relationship to God as well as attachments, these things that we hold on to that keep us from moving toward God. And it, it's, yeah, I, but I, almost anything by C.S. Lewis is just going to be golden. And I'll mention two quick ones. Uh, the a book called Church of Spies, which basically lets us know that Pius XII was not the vilified, you know, Hitler's pope that is is so easily come up. What he did to navigate the church during uh, the World War is just it's it's like a routine, reading a novel. It's it's so fast paced and 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 kind of engaging. And it's it's the way he was able to put the whole of the church's uh, resource at trying to help and uh, the Jewish people and 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 thwart. Uh, the, the the Third Reich is just fascinating and and and, and compelling. And at the same time period, he also uh, initiated trying to find Peter's tomb. And there's a wonderful short little book called The Fisherman's Tomb, which is the uh, the the account of how. Uh, spoiler alert here. <laughs> they they discovered um, the Peter's remains, and once again, it's it's a stranger than fiction story that includes a Texas oil man and a and a and a, and a female archaeologist at, at for the time, which was an unprecedented. It's, it's a wonderful story. Wonderful. Well, Father, we are clean out of time. We've got about fifteen seconds. Could I ask you to offer a blessing as we wrap up the hour? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you so much, Father Michael Hurley. Uh, A lot of different books that we went through there. If you missed any one of them, go back, listen to the podcast. It'll be posted at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich for his help, as well as Thomas Engesser, both of them producing the program today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Stay tuned. We've got Mass that's coming up right now here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.